Um, awesome, guys. Well, the power of discipling. And so you better get your Bibles out because we're flipping through verses today. Just, just let's practice. Ready? All right, ready? Go to Proverbs. Proverbs. Go, go to Proverbs. Come on. I'm already there. All right, go to Hebrews. Hebrews. Hebrews, say amen when you get there. Man, it's hard for me. Hebrews, yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. You know, I think my Bible is quicker than your phone. Oh, yeah. Whoa. What's up? All right. So you're going to have to turn quick, but also be encouraged. If you're not there quick enough, it is recorded. So you can listen to it. And I actually encourage everyone. I don't always do this because it's kind of weird, especially when you're preaching. Please listen to this again uh, and, and, and really have a quiet time on it. Because I don't think this is, this is a huge lesson right here. Receiving discipling. If we can be a church, if you learn how to receive discipling, you make it to heaven. That this is a very important thing to learn as a disciple. How to be discipled. How to receive discipling. Many people that don't learn this, they don't ultimately end up staying Christians. Right. And so for us, we really need to get this lesson. This is really important, okay? Yeah. And, and I know every sermon we preach is really important, but this one's really important. Like, you don't want to miss this one, amen? So uh, what's the goal of discipling? Let's ask that question real quick before we jump in. What's the goal of discipling? Anyone? Lenny. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. To form Christ in one another. Amen? And there's other things as well, but that's the ultimate goal. Amen? That we want to be like Jesus. Amen? We want to be like Jesus. So what did Jesus say? He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Who can say, I obey Jesus in everything? Raise your hand. I can't say that. That is certainly challenging. Think about that for a second. In everything. I'm just trying to get the Sermon on the Mount down. And that's probably not going to happen in my lifetime. I mean, it's certainly challenging to obey. Teaching to obey, not making them to obey, not... Not forcing them to obey, but teaching them to obey. We need to be taught, church, how to obey. In order to be taught to obey, we need disciples. Last time I checked, it's hard to teach myself something that I don't know. You know, if I want to learn the violin, man, it's hard to just learn the violin. Being like Jesus is way harder than the violin. Way harder than any other thing, any other skill we can learn. Because he was God. <laughs> We're trying to be like God here, guys. And we need help with it. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Uh, yeah. Verse uh, Colossians 1 and 28. He is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone. So who's, who can say they shouldn't get discipled? <laughs> no one. Again, the word everyone. Teaching them to obey everything and everyone with all wisdom so that we would present everyone fully mature in Christ. Wow. Wow, that's intense. I love this passage. 
When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What an amazing compliment that is. These guys remind me of someone. I, they, they talk like someone. Yeah, these guys were with Jesus. How did they get so powerful? How did they get so so scriptural? How do they know the Bible so well? How are they quoting Old Testament passages? They're unschooled. They didn't go to the school we went to, the Pharisee school, the school of religion. No, they went to the Jesus school. They're like Jesus. People need to see you not as Christians who go to church, but as Jesus. You remind me of Jesus. When was the last time someone said that to you? Wow. That's challenging. Yeah. You know, what, what was the last time you told someone you want to be like Jesus? When was the last time you were in a situation today? I was thinking, man, when was the last time I even thought about I want to be like Jesus? We can get so unfocused sometimes on what our goal is. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Think about this scripture. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. This was a derogatory term, we know, like Bible banger. Holy roller, Jesus freak. The non-disciples used the word Christians when they saw the disciples. And Christian means little Christ. When they saw these people in Antioch, they said, these guys remind me of little Jesuses. Wow. That's the goal of disciples. To be like Jesus, amen? How about this one passage, guys? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This isn't an easy command. In our busy world, amen, that has so many demands on us and and tries to distract us, and so many thorns in this church, we're just trying to hold to this command, and it's difficult sometimes. We've been calling people to do that, and they're having a hard time with it. They need what church? Discipling. We don't just live this way when we wake up in the morning. We don't just wipe out the eye boogers and go, I'm seeking the kingdom first. I got this on straight. We don't just come out of the baptism waters and say, I'm seeking the kingdom first. I trust God in everything. Oh, I got my schedule on point. You know what's something powerful that Lenny said? We were discipling someone. We were in it with somebody. We were both kind of forming Christ in them with all power and strength that we had. Amen? And, and it was this Sunday. Last, last Sunday, we were, we were getting with a brother. And one of, the, one of the things that Lenny said was so powerful. He said, for 30 years of following Jesus, I've done two things and it's helped me. I've kept Sunday mornings free and Wednesday nights free. And that's helped me tremendously. I do not take a job that tells me that I'm going to work on Wednesday. I don't take a job if they tell me I'm going to work on Sunday. And here I am 30 years later. Amen. And I was like, whoa. Amen. That'll stick. Just that decision, church. But yet, are all of us doing that? Are all of us having that kind of kingdom schedule? This takes discipling. But what if they fire me? What's the rest of the passage say? You gotta just remember that the birds of the, you know, the air and the flowers of the field, they don't labor a spin. 
I will let you, I'll give you all these things, he says, will be given to you. I like when things are given to me. Christmas is coming up, amen? <laughs> Christmas is coming! And, and, you know, we're given things. Isn't it tough when you have to force things? That's what we do in this world. We force things. And God's like, I'll just give them to you if you have a kingdom focus. I'll just give them to you. That's what we need discipling with. Amen? Amen. We can do more than Jesus when we're all acting like Jesus. John 14, 12. We can do more acting like Jesus. Amen? Ooh, that's a cute girl. Cute baby. Here's a question I want to say. Sometimes the world, does the world not make sense to you sometimes? Sometimes the world can be challenging. We got to go back to Jesus. I love this story. A boy, he wants to play with his father. And he's like, come on, let's play, let's play. And the, 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 the father had so much work to do. He worked from home. I know someone who works from home. And, you know, it was hard. And he's like, you know, I don't have time. He's like, come on, Dad, you promised. You promised you'd play with me. Oh, yes, I did promise. Okay, son, he takes a map, rips it up, gives it to the, to the son, says, here's a map of the world. I ripped it up in little pieces. I want you to put it together. Now, the son is five years old. And so he's thinking, I got, definitely got time. I got lots of time. I got at least an hour. He's not going to be able to do this. No problem. He comes back one minute later. With everything taped up. And the, and, and the father's amazed. He's like, and the son says, it's time to play. He's like, how did you do that? He's like, well, on the back side of the map was a man's face. And I put that man's face together, and the whole world came together. Oops. Who's that man? Jesus. The world makes sense. You need to always go back to Jesus. Always go back to him. We have to remember. Why do we take communion? To remember Jesus. We need to remember Jesus. You know, when things are happening that are challenging to me, when I'm being treated like I shouldn't be treated, when I feel lonely and rejected, who do I think about? Jesus. And it helps me remember that I'm acting like him. He was lowly. He was rejected. He was challenged. Amen? Why do we need discipling? Because... We need to stay focused on the right things. We write down this scripture, you know. Colossians 3 talks about thinking about focusing our minds on things above, not on earthly things. We need discipling for that. Amen? Imitation of Christ. 1 John chapter 2, verse 5 through 6. 1 John chapter 2, verse 5 through 6. Focusing on imitation of Jesus. We don't just become like Jesus just by coming to church. Amen? We need our characters to be discipled. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. We need our hearts to be discipled. Yeah. What's our motivations? You don't see that when you're just looking at someone on Sunday. Amen? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a disciple any time long, you realize there's just character things that kind of pop up later in, in spiritual life. Amen? Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm doing pretty good as a disciple. And you're like, oh, that is so ugly. What was that about? <laughs> And God reveals it. And you need discipling. Amen? We need discipling to stay focused on the mission, church. You know, it's something hard to do to to stay focused on the mission. Two by two they went out. Amen? Why'd they go out two by two? Because they needed help. You can't be focused on the mission alone. They went out two by two. Amen? 
to protect us from Satan. People that aren't discipled, what does it say? 1 Peter chapter 5, it says that Satan looks around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And we've seen enough nature shows to see what goes on. Amen? Mm. They, you know, the, the lions comes after the, the, the big, you know, buffalo. And there's that one buffalo that goes the other way. And it's the little buffalo. And you're just like, no. Don't do that. And the buffalo's like, yo, peace out. You know, and they just leave. And then you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. The one that's alone gets it. Ferocious eaten by the lion. Yeah. This is the circle of life, you know, and you see the you guy talking about, you know, this will help the lion stay alive for two more months, you know, and blah blah blah, you know. And amen, that's the, that's that's nature and that's great. But who's the lion go after? He doesn't go after the pack. He goes after the one that's lonely. If we don't get discipled, we we don't we're not protected from Satan, you know. We're gonna talk about. Really, three keys, three simple keys of being discipled. The first one is, you must be like a child. Let's go to Matthew 18. You must be like a child. And, and I don't know about you, but children are awesome. They're awesome. You know, they're, they're so innocent. You know, they're so wonderful. And, and you know, and, and honestly, like, they believe anything you say. <laughs> and they want to learn. And they, they ask questions. You know, Manny, my son Manny, man, he just asks so many questions. It's overwhelming. Sometimes we're just like, show, oh, come on, don't ask me any more questions. My brain is tired, you know. But dad, dad, what about this? But dad, what about this? And I have to ask his, answer his questions. Because he just wants to learn, amen? Yeah. He wants to learn. Matthew 18, verse 1. At, this, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called the little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like a little, ch- little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly positions of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Amen? Amen. Man, this is deep. You have to change. That's what he says. You have to change. Interesting. Children are able to change their habits. And if you're not moldable as a disciple, if you're not teachable as a disciple, if you're not humble like, like this child, it says you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. So you have to not grow up. Amen? You have to be like a child. You know, when I say grow up, I'm not saying not mature. Actually, the most mature people, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, keep that childlike spirit. I want to learn. You know, do you write down questions still? Are you still learning your Bible? Do you have major... You're always asking people for help. You know, as, as I've, I've learned more and more, the older I get in, in Christ, the more responsibilities I get. And that's the more I need help. You know, who should get the most discipling? The people that are serving the most should get the most discipling. You know why? Because we can, we can do the most damage. 
It says teachers should are, are judged more stricter. That's a little scary. I was studying the Bible with someone talking about them, and the guy goes, I don't want to teach then. Yeah. I'm like, that's a great attitude. <laughs> but, you know, of course, that's not what we need to do, shrink back. We need to get discipling. We need to get discipling. We need to get discipling. You know, uh, I love the message version. I'm telling you, I love you, I'm telling you, once and for all, that unless you return to square one and start over like children, you're not even going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in it. Whoever becomes simple and elemental again like this child will rank high in God's kingdom. Getting back to the basics. Getting back to the basics. Guys, we have to be like a child, amen? We have to be humble, teachable. You know, when someone comes up to you and, and wants to share something, defensiveness right away. We can't get defensiveness. Oh, there's parts of my life you can talk about, bro, but not this part of my life. Does a child talk like that? No. Manny is one of the most open kids you know. <laughs> he'll get inappropriate if you talk about, you know, he'll sometimes say inappropriate things. It's not good. But you see, there's no area of his life he won't talk about. <laughs> Amen? And he's learning what that appropriate is not, you know? Again, that's the kind of heart we have. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to, to fumble and bumble. Kids do that. But it's not okay to not st- to stop learning, amen? To stop to thinking we're higher and better. You know, I love this quote by Michelangelo. It's super convicting. Michelangelo! He's 87 years old. The guy who... Sistine Chapel, painted the Sistine Chapel, made the David statue, sculpted it. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I've been in the Sistine Chapel. I looked up, and I don't know what I was feeling. I just felt like, are you serious? Michelangelo, 87, says, I am still learning. Why should he be more hungry to learn about being an artist? than me becoming the masterpiece, amen, that God wants me to be. I need to keep on learning, amen? Are you still learning? You know, um, Matthew, uh, James 4, 6, it says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. You know, guys, you don't have to do everything right. You just have to be humble. You don't have to get it right. You just have to be humble. Humility is one of the most important spiritual qualities of, of all time. If, if you're not humble, God opposes you. Mm-hmm. But if you are humble, he shows favor to you. Yeah. It's kind of a good thing. Yeah. I think the, the answer is be humble. Yeah. Right? right? Another passage, it says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. They like quoting this passage to the church. <laughs> Maybe they stop trying to get disciples. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Being humble to another man or woman is being humble to God. Whenever you get flared up with pride, I don't, you know what I'm talking about, right? I just want you to remember that Jesus is right behind that person talking. The Holy Spirit is in that man too, or in that woman too. And you should consider what they say. You should invite what they say. 
If anyone, you know, if I, if I stand at the door and knock and anyone opens the door, you know, I'll come in and eat with them. We use that passage. People use that passage for praying Jesus in your heart. It's not. It's meant for disciples. They need to humble out and let Jesus work in their life. Right. Amen? Amen? All right. We talked about being like a child. Now let's initiate. This is the mo- one of the most important p- points of here. Initiate. Mm. Initiate. It's got lots of syllables in it. <laughs> initiate. <laughs> what does that mean to you? It means you don't wait to get disciples. Well, no one's come to me and talked about this, so I guess we're good. You know, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. I mean, you know, I, I come to things, but I'm not really, you know, reaching out, getting help in these areas. Because I think I got it figured out. I think I got it figured out. You know, the first way we initiate in our disciples is by being open. Let's go to, uh, you know the scripture in James 5. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, right? So that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Amen? You know why I memorized that passage? Because it's so hard to confess and I don't want to. I don't want to look, you know, foolish. I don't want to confess. I don't want to look bad. Amen? But it's healing and we need to do it. If you want to heal as a Christian, you've got to confess your sins. You've got to be open. Purity. You know, sins of commission, sins of omission, sins of the heart. Amen? All these things we need to talk about. You know, when, do, you, do you pray the Lord's Prayer? When you pray the Lord's Prayer, you say, forgive us our sins. Amen? We've got to think about, did we sin today? And do we need to be open about this sin? Not in a weird way, but in the right way. Proverbs 28, 13. Let's go there. How are we doing? Good. Did you confess your sin this week with someone? It's not a legalistic question, but it's a practical question. When was the last time you confessed your sin? If, if the answer is like, I don't remember. Whoa. What's going on? Well, bro, I'm, I've been pretty, pretty righteous. <laughs> you know? Obviously... John has something to say in 1 John about that, amen? He says, you're a liar. You're a liar. Pants on fire. Sometimes Danielle will send me a text. <laughs> With pants and then fire. Send it to me. That's always convicting. I'm like, oh. It's not that I, I'm like lying to her, being, but like I promised her something. And you know, I gotta keep my word. That's a lie too, Amen. <laughs> She doesn't do that much. <laughs> Proverbs 28, 13. I probably deserve it more than she does. All right. Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but who, one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Amen? Amen? Guys, weekly we should be confessing our sins. Daily, but weekly we should be thinking about... When we go to family group... One of the things we should be thinking about is, what do I need help with? What what do I need advice about? You know, when I come to church, I want to go encouraged, but I want to be encouraged. Mm 
I want to learn today something. Can someone teach me something? I'm going to talk to Evan about this. I'm going to talk to Ezra about this. I'm going to, I'm going to go see Lenny and get advice about this. Initiate. Initiate. Seek wisdom. Let's go to Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4, guys. Doing good. How we doing? Seek wisdom. This is part of being a disciple is seeking wisdom. And, and how do we get wisdom? We have to pay for it. Amen? You know, college students, amen? You are paying for wisdom. Graduate students, you're paying more for wisdom. <laughs> Dental students, sorry about that. <laughs> right? Proverbs 4, how much more in the king? You know what? We, what, what gets wisdom in the kingdom isn't money, obviously. Amen. We don't let, hey, bro, you want advice? <laughs> let me hold some, a 20. You know what I mean? No, no, we're not saying that. Time is the currency of wisdom in the kingdom. Time in prayer and time with people. If you want to be wise, you have to spend time with the right men and women, and you have to spend time with God. If you don't do that, you don't get wisdom. You know, I love this passage. It says, um, verse 5, read the whole thing later, Proverbs 4, verse 5. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Beginning wisdom is this. Get wisdom. I love that. <laughs> Let me tell you the beginning. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your neck and present you with a glorious crown. Amen? Amen. Get wisdom. James 1 talks about pray for wisdom. Pray to God for wisdom. You know, a lot of times we... The issue isn't so much we need to try harder. We need more wisdom. You know, the axe that's not sharp, amen, doesn't cut as well as the axe that is. Discipling is that iron sharpening iron, amen? amen. Let's talk about advice. Amen, advice. And then we're going to stay in Proverbs, which is great. So I want to talk first about, before we look at the passages on advice, because they're all here, you can write them down. <laughs> I mean, we know the passages, don't we? But let's go there anyways, because we need to be reminded. I know as older disciples, the challenge is, oh, I know what to do. And as younger disciples, oh, I know what to do. (laughs) We both have the same challenge. You know, I remember someone coming to me and saying, hey, bro, did you get advice about, you know, going to that, that birthday party? And I was like, what are you, my mom? <laughs> you know, I was thinking that in my head. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I'm just keeping it real, confessing my sin. Why is this brother getting in my grill like this, you know? And this is how I talk to myself. I don't know. I turn into like, I don't know what it is, but my inner voice is like Eddie Murphy. You know what I mean? It's like, what you talking about getting in my grill like this, you know? And, but, but then I thought, wow, I said, I, 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 
I, I actually, you know, thought about that song, Homo Yozo in the Zavalon. I was like, okay, bro, what do you mean? He's like, bro, there was, remember how you talked about this and that and this? Why did you go to that party? You know, well, it's his birthday. I felt, I felt pressure to go. Well, yeah, but it was like a party. Why'd you go to that? Well, is there, I didn't know any other way. You know, I just felt like I'd hurt his feelings. Well, maybe you want to just take him out to lunch. You know, and, and this was a situation that was kind of an opinion issue. And I thought to myself, wow, I go to, it, it sprung a lot of stuff. Because I was, my friends were not um, very righteous. My first year as a Christian, you know, I had, you know, Larry Moe and Curly for my roommates. You know, the Three Stooges, spiritually. They were not spiritual people, you know. And so I was around bad company, amen? And it was corrupting my character. And, I, and there were times I felt like Lot, you know. I was like, I got to get out of here, you know. And so this brother knew it, and he challenged me. But this was not like, oh, this is like what thou sayest the Lord, you know. But he showed me passages, and it helped me. And I realized I fear men a lot. And I have to protect my righteousness over men. I was like, wow, that was a good lesson. I'm glad he talked to me. And I'm glad I bit my lip. And humble ourselves, Lord. Okay. Proverbs 12, verse 15. It says, The way of a fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs 13, 10. Where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Take advice. 15, 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Proverbs 19.20. Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. I love it, at the end. <laughs> I think that's interesting, at the end. You know? The last day. You know? Proverbs 27.9. This is an interesting passage about advice. You know, a lot of us, Advice seems like scarier, or, oh, you know, I gotta get advice. Ah, but it's, it's, it's such a wonderful thing. You know, this world is so individualistic, guys. America. Yeah. We live in the most individualistic country in the world. We, we're so independent. And why is there more anxiety in this country than any other country? That's a great question. As a counselor, that is a fact. It's because we're doing it alone. And it's hard to do life alone. People get anxious. And that's what happens. Proverbs 27, 9. Love this passage. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. And the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. You know, going to a friend like Lenny and talking to him about, what do you think about this? I know he loves me. But I know he's going to speak the truth to me, too. So he's going to share. It's a heartfelt advice. Yeah. It's not, it's not right, you know, like, you know, just sort of self-righteous advice. Or It's heartfelt advice. I trust the people that give me advice. That they love me. And they want the best for me. And I want the best for me, too. So we're, we're, we're working on the same team, man. It's awesome. Give me that advice. Amen? Let's, a couple steps to take advice. 
This is a good little uh, you know, warning. There was a way that appears right, but in the end it leads to death. First, pray. Amen? Pray before you get advice. I think we, that's so important. God, use this person I'm going to talk to about this. First, we've got to think about, okay, the second point. No area off limits. You know, my marriage, my parenting, you know, my discipline, me getting up in the morning, my cleanliness, how I keep my desk, what clothes I wear. And you're like, well, that's intense. Yeah, I need to get advice about those things. You know, um, everything. And it's not that I have to go around, hey, you know, I'm going to eat uh, spaghetti and meatballs today, Tony. What do you think, bro? You know what I mean? <laughs> Obviously, there are things that we can figure out on our own, you know? But, you know, here's, here's the thing I want to ask. The weightier the consequences, the more advice. Yeah. You know, <coughs> hey, bro, I was going to, you know, do this on a date with, you know, another couple. What do you think about this? That's, that's, that's not that weighty, you know? I mean, it's like, okay, we're... Is that, would that be encouraging to the sister? Yeah, I think that would be encouraging. Okay, great, let's do it. You know? Versus, I'm taking Sunday and I'm going to go work. That's a weightier thing. You need to get advice about that. Or, I, I, I really like this sister, I'm going to marry her. Whoa. That's to death do you part. That's weighty. You know what I'm saying? You got to make sure that you're getting more advice about that. Amen. You know, I'm going to liquidate my 401k. And buy a Tesla. You know what I mean? Whoa! That's that's a weightier, weightier thing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm getting penalized for that. Daniel's like, what are you talking about? But you know, it's like that's this is weightier stuff. You got to get advice. How I discipline my sons. How I talk to my sons. You know, how do I treat my wife? These kinds of things. It's it's tough when it's like, how do you feel like you're doing your marriage? And I've learned one thing. Always ask the wife first. <laughs> I go, honey, well, what do you think? Because she's more in touch usually. And she says, I think we're doing good. I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know? But at the same time, it's good. It's good to give advice about these things. Keep your heart open to advice, but make sure it's your conviction. Mm. Yeah. That's so important. This is not permission. The heart of advice is that the Holy Spirit would use the collective wisdom of the church to lead us toward the best decisions that are going to make us more like Jesus. Why am I getting advice? Because I want to be like Jesus. You know? It's so important. Amen? Four steps to get advice. Make sure you take these advice. Get advice about everything. There's nothing off limits. Nothing. you got to be open. You know, there's certain things you, you want to talk to certain people about, amen? Probably not going to go to Cody and talk about marriage. But I can say, hey, Cody, do you see anything in my marriage that you want to talk about? I can talk to, you know, single people about that. Is my, fam- is my, is my home welcoming, Cody? You know, that, that's kind of stuff that it, I can get advice about my marriage in, in that area. And there's other things that I maybe want to talk to a married person about, amen? Rebukes. Rebukes. All right, let's go to Psalm 141. First of all, what is a rebuke? A strong correction for something you know is wrong. Amen? That's what a rebuke is. 
Correction is something that you didn't know is wrong. Okay? That's the difference between rebuke. Rebuke is something you know is wrong. A correction, what's harder, hearing a rebuke or correction? I think correction for me is harder. Because I'm always like, dude, bro, my heart was in the right place, bro. Why are you correcting me? Rebuke, I'm like, yeah, my heart is in the wrong place. <laughs> Amen? You know, that's kind of what's hard. Sometimes for me, getting corrected is harder than being rebuked. Being rebuked, I'm like, come on, man, 40, 39 minus one lashes, let's go. You know what I mean? Give it to me, bro. You know, obviously I'm ready at this point to be rebuked. Rebukes aren't supposed to be given often. But they're meant to be given when something's very serious and someone's not aware of their own sin. It's interesting. David was rebuked. Amen? By who? Nathan. And interesting. Psalm 141 is written by who? David. And what's he say in verse 5? Let a righteous man strike me. That is kindness. What a beautiful passage that is. Yeah. It's just the most beautiful passage in the Bible. It's so contrary to the world. You can just see the humility in David's eyes and the gratefulness. Was this after Bathsheba or before? I dare say after. Let a righteous man rebuke me. That is kindness. Let him rebuke me. That is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it. For my prayer will still be against the deeds of Evildoers. My head will not refuse it. A rebuke is always out of love. We're going to talk about next midweek about giving disciples. The goal is love. The goal is Jesus. Amen? We need to rebuke one another sometimes. You know, we need to use the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16. We don't rebuke with our opinions. We need to use the word of God when we rebuke and correct and encourage. We cannot, especially a rebuke, because then it becomes about you and not about that person. Now, rebukes, they have emotion in them. There's no way to rebuke someone without emotion. My suggestion, and we're going to get to this next, lower your voice, man. A little trick I learned because it helps people to feel loved and the volume of my voice doesn't really change the truth but it helps them make, make them understand how much I love them a rebuke is directly from God that's why we need to use the word amen um, correction <laughs> Proverbs chapter 10 Correction is harder, and, and I don't know, maybe you guys think a rebuke, you know, because we all have different backgrounds, you know. I think we all have different backgrounds, so someone rebukes us, we're kind of like, oh, we're, we're a little frightful of that. Correction is hard because that actually happens a little more. And sometimes you can feel like, oh, it's just I'm stinking it out everywhere, <laughs> especially as a young disciple. You know, I remember, man, I, I just got corrected all the time, all the time, you know. 
hey, bro, we don't hug like this. Oh, I was just coming in on all the sisters, you know. Oh, thank you. Giving them love, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it wasn't the best, you know. And I, my heart was in the right place, but the sisters are like, yo. You know, and I had to learn, hey, sorry about that. Learn the side hug, amen? Side hug. It's great. It's a great, great, I got corrected. That wasn't so hard. But other stuff was harder. Being corrected, amen? Being corrected. Um, Proverbs 10, 17. Coming in for a land of the... That clock is not right. I want you to know that. <laughs> Whoever heeds discipline shows the way of life. Whoever ignores correction leads others astray. Correction hurts others. Not taking correction hurts others. Yeah. Amen? Mm-hmm. Another passage that's great is, is Proverbs 12, 1. Love this because the word stupid is in the Bible, guys. <laughs> what is the Greek word for stupid? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know what the Greek word, I mean, the Hebrew word for stupid is. I'm going to learn it, though. I'm going to start saying it to people. They won't know what I mean. No, I'm just kidding. Correct me. Rebuke me. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. I love that NIV says that. I, I'm going to look it up in the message. I'm sure it's going to be extra fun. You can write these other passages down. When we get corrected, first I just want to encourage you, when you get corrected, you're not expecting it normally. You know, someone comes up to you, hey bro, can I talk to you? A lot of people are like, am I in trouble? You know, no, just go, yeah, sure, bro. And then just think to yourself, just think to yourself this. I'm going to become more like Jesus. And this person loves me so much that they would get awkward with me and correct me. You know, it's not easy to give a correction. It's actually something we need to do more in the church. We don't correct each other enough. We don't admonish each other enough. We go, well, someone else will talk to that bro, I think. That other sis, hopefully, I know that other sis is really close. I'm pretty close too, but I'm not as close as that other sister. So I'll let that other sister, who's more qualified and knows the Bible better than me, talk about it. Even though I saw it. I'm sure they saw it too. Maybe I'll go tell them what I saw. And then I'll gossip a little bit. And go against Matthew 18. But at least I'll avoid a really awkward conversation. That's what, we're not saying that, but that's what happens. Yeah. Amen? Amen? You know, um, we need encouragement. I love this. First Thessalonians 5.11. Build one another up with these words. Yeah. I want, we need so much encouragement. Yeah. Correction rebukes are important, but honestly, we need ten times the encouragement. Yeah. This world says, you ain't good enough. You don't have enough money. You don't got the iPhone 11 Pro. <laughs> Come on now. You got the 6S plus. Messed up. Get, to, get with the times. You know? Again, we need encouragement. How do we take a, a, an encouragement? Sometimes we don't even know how to take an encouragement. Bro, you did a great job. No, I didn't. <laughs> You're like, well, no, you did. You did a great job. No, I didn't. I messed up here and there and there and there. Words are powerful, guys. 
Words bring life and death. We have to build one another up. Not tear them down. Amen? Um, So this is the last thought I had. And this is something we're going to talk about next time. Who's on your team? Team Petruzzi. I got Team Petruzzi. And there's lots of people on my team. I have a lot of you guys on my team. Then I also have Jimmy and Maria on my team. I have Kevin and Melissa on my team. I have my best friend from college, Richard DeMarco, who's not a disciple, on my team. I have a therapist on my team. I have George Muzakas, my supervisor uh, of counseling, on my team. I have so many people on my team, like 25 people that are on my team. I need a lot of help. You know how many people are working with Tiger Woods? So many people. You know, the, you need a lot of people. You need at least five people that you can get discipling from. People that you can say anything to. Like the most embarrassing stuff you can say to them. And they're going to love you. And they're going to build you up. If you don't have that, you can get that. Amen? That should be a conversation in the... In the in the family group. I want to ask all the family group leaders, if you can, to ask the question, who's on your team? Who's in your life? Who's discipling you? These are hard things to think about. But discipling is amazing. Let Michelangelo at 87 not outlearn us. Amen? About art. In 2 Corinthians 3, I love this passage. It says... We with unveiled faces contemplate or reflect the Lord's glory, being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Bible says in 1 John that we will see, his, will see him because we'll be like him. Think about this, guys. You're going to be like Jesus, immortal, glorified body. We need to be like him, guys. That's not just, oh, you're going to be transformed spiritually. Actually, I'm going to be more like Jesus than ever before when I go to heaven. In order to do that, I need discipling. I need to learn how to receive discipling. And when I, and, and though it costs me all that I have, it will be the best decision I ever made Amen. to get discipling. Let's learn how to receive discipling and initiate discipling. Be like that child and get a team around us so we can all get to heaven. Amen. Amen. Amen.